Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Good, John. How, how about yourself? Good. Hey, thanks for taking the time. Um, Mike is with IRS CI and handles refund and um, cybercrime, among many other things. And we wanted to catch up with you and, and IRS and um, talk a bit about COVID-19 challenges. But I also just wanted to start off to say that the AML community does really appreciate the partnership that we've had with IRS over many, many years in investigations and in training and outreach. And, um, you know, I, we couldn't do our jobs in the private sector without your assistance. And hopefully we've added a little bit to what you folks are able to do. So the, the partnership is just so important and just wanted to uh, continue to make sure you folks understand how, how much we appreciate what you do. Uh, th thank you very much. I, you know, I would echo your sentiments as well. I mean, it is a partnership. Um, it is the it is the best way to get things done uh, and to move forward is, is the partnership between the financial, uh, the financial industry and the and, and law enforcement. So, um, yeah, again, I just continue, you know, everything that we work towards is is uh, is, is working it together. Yeah, so let's start off with something that unfortunately happens anytime there's a major event and the and it's an understatement to call COVID-19 a major event. Obviously, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime outside of the horrific attacks on 9-11 um, that we had to respond to. But this one doesn't seem to have a clear endpoint. But the reason that the event is, is so uh, crucial to us in the AML world is, unfortunately, when these things happen, frauds just seem to... Uh, increased dramatically. So whether it's phony charities being created, or whether it's, uh, as you'll talk to us in a bit, uh, increase in phishing online, identity theft, with these stimulus checks coming out, all these things happen, uh, sadly, it, not just at the same time, but in an expansive mode. Uh, what are you guys seeing the most right now? I mean, besides that, a bit about some of the cyber issues I know you're working on, but I assume you've seen a fairly dramatic growth. Like I said, anytime there's an event, there's un unfortunately a reaction in the fraud space. Yeah, you know, you're, and, and you're absolutely right. It's actually been a little um, eye-opening and astonishing to me how quickly uh, you know the criminals can get uh, get up to speed on on and not necessarily new frauds, but new angles. Um, you right. know, ID theft isn't a new. Uh, a, a new thing, but, you know, fishing for financial information or personally identifying information, uh, we started, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we started getting, you know, screenshots or emails forwarded to us saying, Hey, have you seen these? And it's, it is, you know, playing on the fear of the unknown. Like you talk about during these, a national pandemic or an emergency. I mean, they're straight out like, you know, Corona, Corona, coronavirus or COVID-19, we need this information, or for you to get your stimulus check or your EIP payment, please click on this link and provide us your bank account and your personally identifying information. And that and that is just a that is just a a straight fraud to uh, to try to get that information from unsuspecting taxpayers. And it's it it happened quick, you know. So we're we're definitely going to see that. Um, you know, there's going to be some refund fraud involved. Uh, there's some other credits uh, that that businesses and, and individuals can, can can take in the in the system um again mail fraud 
we're putting we're putting a bunch of paper checks into the mail system. We're going to see mail fraud right. like we did um, back in 2012, 2013, and 14 with prepaid debit cards. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's unfortunate, but it's definitely going to be an opportunity for scammers and criminals to to get into the system uh, and try to try to financially benefit. So yeah, uh, let me ask you one one type of fraud that I remember from a previous uh, place of employment was the, the business email compromise where somebody will take on the identity of the head of human resources, the head of a section and say they are the CEO or, or send that information to somebody else in the guise of the CEO. Maybe it goes to HR, maybe it goes to the treasurer and basically says something along the lines of, Hey, we're in the middle of this event meeting, whatever I need this data right now. And, you know, most of the time you're sophisticated enough not to let that uh, fool you, but because people are all working remote, information is is so important. I would imagine there's variations on on that theme that that businesses have to worry about because it's not just the loss of financial information, which is critical, but personal identifying information, socials, and and all those sorts of things. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're absolutely right. There there is an increase in in that in that phishing uh, as well in order to get the information needed to, to do a business email compromise. The other one that we're looking at is, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of is business ID theft, where people are finding the, the identifiers for the business uh, and trying to, you know, contact the IRS and have enough information on a business where they are uh, changing the address or changing the account numbers of where refund checks go to. And, and so stealing the ID of a business, not just the individual anymore. So, so before this even happened, there's always sort of a, a ratcheting up of, I assume, what you, your folks' workload during tax time, right? So that's probably an age-old issue, uh, as you said, refund fraud and, and, and those sorts of things. And this just compounds it by, by 10. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, you know, we're, we, we, do, um, we do kind of ratchet up a little bit, especially in the refund crimes area around filing season. Um, we, you know, obviously we work year round, crimes are committed year round, and it takes a little bit sometimes for us to work a full investigation, get it prosecuted. But when we're in refund filing season, um, we do see things live and we do, um, you know, have to respond quickly. So when you add on COVID-19 fraud and some of the things that we're seeing, whether through the EIP online portal uh, and some of the cyber stuff we're seeing, it, it adds on, it adds on. And, uh, but you know, Hey, we're here, we're going to do the best we can. Uh, we're going to put our best foot forward and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work with our other law enforcement partners. And like you said, we have to work with the AML industry to get, to do the best we can to get it done. Right. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, talk to uh, some of your colleagues and they mentioned the, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the obvious challenges of working remote in general, but for you folks, particularly while, a lot of things can get done electronically and conference calls and that sort of thing. One of the stronger suits of investigators, whether it's IRS, FBI, or Homeland Security, is one-to-one investigations and one-to-one interviews. How are you managing that need? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that most of your agents, if not all of your agents that were overseas, either had to come back to the States or obviously could be quarantined. So I would imagine that 
the ability to do those types of interviews has been dramatically impacted. It has. It has. There's no doubt about that. It, we are hard pressed to go out and try to talk to taxpayers right now uh, in an environment of social distancing and stay at home orders. Um, so, we, you know, we have taken this opportunity to take a look at all our investigations, um, make, you know, administratively sound decisions, um, you know, tighten up where we can. Uh, but in the same breath, we are out doing our law enforcement actions, doing law enforcement, uh, you know, executing search warrants and arrest warrants when they mm-hmm. need to be done. We haven't hit a complete sure. pause on everything we're doing. We you know we are working with, uh, you know, like, like I said before, FBI and HSI and Postal Service. And we're, we are moving investigations forward. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that we didn't really think about in all this was just the mail system. Uh, and how much we re- rely on, you know, right. subpoena returns <laughs> and and uh, financial information being mailed to uh, to the U.S. Attorney's office or uh, incoming information to, into an IRS service center, and, and no one's really processing the mail anymore. So that's been a, a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, but you know, again, we're working through it. We're doing the best we can. We have a lot of people uh, having a lot of calls, like you said. Um, trying to figure some of this th- things out. Um, our international attaches, um, I don't know the exact number, but a lot of them right. have taken the uh, trip home during right. this time. You know, we still have um, obviously all our contacts overseas, uh, and we can still do some work. We have we we are doing work overseas, um, but again, it's taken. You know, when you're not there, when you're not meeting people face to face, when you're not talking to everybody. It does take a little bit of a, a setback. You know, Mike, we've been, yeah, um, and I appreciate that. And I figured that obviously international work was still happening, but a great point about working with U.S. attorney's offices and local district attorneys and all of that. Obviously, the mail is so critical. And I know because being an AML that the Postal Service has its own strong group of investigators that work with work with you guys as well as others. But that's why the Postal Service is much broader than simply the movement of mail. I don't think people appreciate that as much as they should. But um, let me ask you about the, um, uh, we, we in the private sector have done a lot. Of, we've done some interviews. We've done some uh, articles uh, regarding the challenges of, of all of this in terms of investigations. And obviously the banks um, are now working virtually all remote. And so the investigations have to change a bit. So there's been some articles about, what to look for, for, but from your perspective, you know, sitting there in, in law enforcement in the center of all this, if we had a number of bankers sitting around the call today, what would you tell them are the things, based on what you've seen so far, plus obviously there's some traditional frauds that have some of the same themes, but what you've seen so far, what should they be looking out for in addition to their daily concerns about preventing fraud against the institutions, customers, and shareholders? Yeah, no, I, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, John. Um, I, I, you know, we, we obviously have the EIP payments have went out. The direct deposits have went out. Um, and, and now, now we're getting into a position to mail the paper checks. Uh, so obviously there are going to be millions of paper checks being deposited or attempted to be cashed in financial institutions around the country. Uh, so with, with the influx or the influx, excuse me, the influx of that, of, of those checks into the system, I mean, I would, I would, you know, for our AML people out there, you know, watch out for accounts that are opened in the last 30 to 45 days 
right. they're getting multiple U.S. Treasury checks or direct deposits into those accounts. Um, or if you have an account that's received um, multiple transfers of funds from individuals, and then there's rapid transfers out into one account. Um, ser- serial ATM withdrawals for the maximum allowable amount um, after after a refund check was cashed. Um, it, I, I'm not sure that it's all new or any of right. it's new. I think it's just the fact that we know it's coming because of the influx of the stimulus payments that are coming out. So I, I would, um, you know, really buckle down on, you know, looking at account openings and account relationships with the historical information when all these treasury checks start coming into the banks. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. And to your point, in a lot of cases, frauds are fraud, right? But they get, they sort of get adapted to the new, to new issue. You can have, like I said early on, a a phony uh, charity that's created under the name of COVID, whatever. One of your, uh, uh, peers had told me last week that there was, and I'm sure I get the number wrong, but like 40, 50,000 uh, companies created LLCs or names created fairly quickly with COVID-19 in the name or websites or what have you. And, <laughs> yep. and, and so I'm sure some of those are definitely designed to appeal, appeal to people that are trying to help others. And, and then um, going to your point about frauds being not new, but adapted here, um, one of the issues that I know the FBI works on, and I'm fairly certain you folks do as well, is the proverbial money mules. So you get, as you know, you get individuals that will reach out to people and say, hey, if you help us move this money, you take a cut. And uh, over time, obviously, the numbers can can be decent for somebody that's that's struggling. We know the FBI has told us a number of times that that's on the rise. I assume you folks are dealing with those issues as well. And this could be just another angle. You could have a, a money mule that thinks he or she is helping whomever because of something related uh, to the response to the virus. But it is, again, it's an organized criminal activity to, to move money and take advantage of innocent or, or people that are, you know, just looking for an easy buck. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, you know, you, you highlighted our, our relationship and, and partnership with the FBI um, we are working hand in hand with FBI, DEA, HSI. I mean, that the, the money mule issue was, uh, was highlighted last year in the national strategy and the national initiative. Um, and, and, I, and just because it was highlighted doesn't mean it stopped. Um, right. <laughs> we're, we're, st- we're still working. They're, they're still doing it. And we're still working with, uh, with all our partners to try to, to try to combat it. Um, it is something that, again, the COVID-19 and EIP stimulus payments give them a new avenue, like you, like, like, like you said, to, to try to do that. And I think that's where we're finding the exploitation on the dark web and in cyber um, to try to do that, is, is to utilize the COVID-19 scheme um, as, an, as another way to collect money and get money to where they want it to go. Yeah, that so makes sense. Let me get you out of here on this and really, once again, appreciate, I know how busy you are, no matter if you're working from home or an office, this is so much going on, but <laughs> Uh, for those of us in the AML community that crave resource information, obviously uh, you folks uh, have websites and reports that you mentioned the, th- uh, the assessment. Uh, if people are looking for more information on, on how they can be more vigilant going forward, what's the best source material from, from your perspective? Uh, so IRS.gov is really the best source material. 
Um, we're trying to get a lot of information out there. Uh, and we're certainly, uh, you can reach out to any of our local field offices as well. You know, all our special agent in charge and assistant special agents in charge, you know, are, you know, receive talking points and bulletins and information from headquarters as well. But IRS.gov and, you know, just to maybe go outside the, the, you know, the AML community to all just all everyone here is, is a taxpaying citizen, hopefully. Um, right. <laughs> if, you know, anyone that needs to use the portal to get their information to the IRS, it is it's really imperative that they go through IRS.gov um, to get to the EIP portal. There are a lot of URLs out there that are spoofing that portal. So if you go in and Google it, or if you get a, a link that says, hey, here's the portal, it is a link to a spoof website to get your financial information. Go to irs.gov and use get to the portal that way. So I, I would just, anyone that can, you know, send that message out, irs.gov is going to be the best place to go right now. It's a great point, Mike. And I know, as you guys have said before, the IRS doesn't call you at home either. <laughs> That's another <laughs> one that we've all gotten those calls at home. And uh, even I, I, I know that uh, some of your supervisors have said they get the same calls that we get telling us that uh, that's the IRS and you need to call right away. So that that's a great point to not cl- not click on these sites, not yeah. to respond to these phone calls. Uh, Mike Badorf, thanks so much for your time today. We will continue to uh, uh, talk to uh, you and your colleagues on other things that we can be doing as a, as a community, but uh, stay safe out there. Thanks again for your time and, and your work. It's, it's so appreciated. And thank you, John. And anything we can do to help uh, just let us know. We're more than willing to do that. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it. I hope everyone stays safe and stays healthy. Right. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you. Thank you. Bye.